Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. As a quick reminder, if you have any questions or comments that you'd like for us to answer or address, you can email those to askask at isunrise.org. Today we're covering the February 26th sermon, Get Ready, Set, Hope. All right, let's start off with the fact that you covered one verse. And you debated covering more, but you chose to stick with one. What was it about 1 Peter 1, 13 that you wanted to just really drive home? I think everybody agrees that 1 Peter 1, 13 is a hinge verse. It deals with what goes on before, and it uh, will change directions on what we're to do now. One of the commentators I read said, on hinges, big doors swing. And so normally my practice would have been to cover verses 13 through 16, but I thought there was more in verse 13 that if I would have tried to cover all of that, I don't think it would have had the same it might have had the same impact, but the long-lasting understanding of Peter is what I was going after. So I thought if I took some time now to cover one verse, then that would set us up to be able to go faster. We could do a more thorough reading of uh, Peter and go deeper at the same time from here on out. So one of the things that you did with this one, which you don't usually do, is you brought in several translations, or maybe just the NIV and New King James, but you usually stick with one translation. So why did you want to bring in specifically the New King James version for verse 13? Yeah, that's a great question, because uh, I don't like to confuse people. I mean, uh, your favorite translation is... I like the ESV. And uh, when I was coming along, the NIV was just getting its its uh, footing, and then a lot of commentaries and uh, Bible study tools came alongside the NIV. Um, and I don't like to switch translations in a sermon. If, if, if I get a translation for a particular sermon, I try to stay in that lane. But what was interesting here is uh, sometimes the translators try to do too much. They try to define what the pictures that are going on. Because NIV is more thought for thought, whereas ESV, NASB, those are more word for word. So they keep the original word picture. Yeah, but even the the NASB, uh, even it uh, did more work for you uh, in that area. I'll show you what I mean. The NIV says, therefore, prepare your minds for actions. Okay, that's that's an understanding of what girding up the loins of your mind, that that's exactly what that means. But I felt like it was better in this sermon to give you a picture, because when Peter wrote this, he could have said, prepare your minds for actions. But instead, he gives them a picture, a picture that will stay with them. He gives us two pictures in there, one, girding up the loins of your mind, the other, being sober while the NIV says, be self-controlled. And I felt like that in those translations, we lost something about what he was trying to communicate the picture. One, 
thing that I felt like uh, we lost was the connection with the Exodus, the Passover meal. Uh, honestly, I had never connected that the Passover meal was to be eaten with your loins girded, ready for action at a moment, being ready to uh, to step into the fray. You know, because the, the children of Israel, they'd been enslaved for 400 years. What, what's another day or two? But the Lord wanted them to be ready at any moment to leave. And I think that's a beautiful picture of where we are, that uh, God wants us to be ready to leave at the, at the coming of the Lord, that we look forward to the rapture. That could happen at any moment. But he doesn't want us to, once we know him as our Savior, once we know and understand the things he's talked about in uh, verses 3 through 12, he doesn't want us to take life on casually. He wants us to have our minds engaged. A lot of people think Christianity is about a feeling, but I think feelings come with it at times. But more than anything else, it's about engaging the mind and understanding what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. So I felt like the new King James maintained that picture of the loins being girded to be ready in our thinking, to always be growing in that way. And then instead of being uh, self-controlled, I thought sober was a better uh, understanding that picture because you see someone who's not sober. I referenced uh, Otis in uh, the Andy Griffith show, someone who's intoxicated uh, with this world. And I think those are the two things that he was getting at. And one of the things that you did, too, was you went through a little bit more of the grammar of the passage. And you mentioned, I think you said that rest was the first imperative of that passage. Uh, yeah, rest your hope. The word is hope, and then it's, it's doing some things on what to do with hope. So the previous, the, the gird your loins and be sober, those aren't imperatives? No. They take on an imperative uh, force uh, because there are participles that end up uh, getting their force from the verb, from the main verb. And so that, that's how they take on. In fact, I will tell you the way most commentaries handle this is they list all of these the same. There's five uh, verbs or participles in this passage, and they will outline each one. I mean, some very good people will outline it that way. Uh, they'll say like one imperative or one verb is to gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. The next one is to be sober. The next one is to rest your hope. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's just... Are they detaching it? Yeah. They're, they're separating it out to individual things? Yes, yes. And what I see is I'm trying to stay, in my opinion, closer to the original grammar, understanding what the main verb is, understanding that the girding of the loins of your mind and the being sober is complementing, is a way to get to a place where we can rest our hope fully upon the grace. They're they're complementing it. Because uh, he's going to say something uh, in the next verse uh, as well. He's going to tell us something in the next verse uh, that's, a, that's a main verb. But what's interesting to me is the difference in the indicative mood 
and the imperative mood. The indicative mood uh, makes a statement or asks a question. And he has been using verbs that are in the indicative uh, mood from, from the beginning of his letter through verse 12. And he's really just stating facts. And these are facts. You can agree with them, disagree with them, but these are the facts. And there's nothing for us to really do about this. There's information we gain, but there's nothing for us to do. And when he gets to verse 13, this is the reason it's a, it's a hinge verse, is because he throws down the first imperative. And now he's going to switch, and he's going to be talking about imperative after imperative from chapter 1, verse 13, through chapter 5. These are things that we can do. These are action steps we can take when we are living under stress, when we are suffering. And so a lot of times people say, just just do something, just do anything. That's not what Peter does. Peter says, I want you to know something first. I want you to understand these facts. Now with these facts in hand, you are equipped to do something and you understand what's happening with that action. So that's why I put a lot of weight into just that one verse, because there's a big switch that's going on from understanding our position, our opportunities that we have with uh, a living hope, with an inheritance, with a salvation yet to be revealed, with the idea and the concept that the prophets uh, envied uh, or the angels envied us uh, of the relationship we have, and the prophets long to know and understand what we know and understand, the perspective that we have. So I saw verse 13 is a pretty big deal. And I think what he's going after uh, in this pivot is to live with intention, to live with an aim, to live with a plan. Uh, It's like he's giving us a target now. Now that we have all this information, we have a target, we have a reason, we have a purpose, and we can act, but our actions are, are not just based on hope, but they are they are based in a reality of who we are in Christ, and they have intention behind them. That's what he's he's saying. He's saying, get your head in the game, because you've always got to be on alert. So with this, though, all of these things are very physical descriptors, like gird up your loins, be sober. Yes. There's a physical aspect to that. When Peter writes to these people, he's not telling them physically to prepare. They're they're suffering. They have oppressors. He's not telling them to physically be ready to, like the, like the Israelites in Egypt to run out and get ready to leave. But he's telling them in a spiritual way to do these things. Yeah, I think what he's doing, he's drawing tangible pictures for us to understand a spiritual reality. It's kind of like the the Lord's Supper that we celebrate. We have tangible pictures, uh, unlike uh, some people in Christendom who would believe the bread literally turns into the body of Christ or the, the wine literally turns into the blood of Christ. We see it as a picture. It's a picture and a reminder of a, of a spiritual reality. And so it seems to me that Peter is using these pictures, these very physical pictures. I mean, when I see the word sober, I automatically think of Otis on Andy Griffith. But he's using these pictures to reveal a spiritual attitude that he's after, a spiritual uh, 
discipline that he's after. And so um, the pictures carry with it a very powerful uh, uh, teaching tool. I mean, we, we've got to remember a lot of the Bible, um, you know, they, they would write in such a way to where people could memorize it. And so to communicate in pictures like that was just standard operating procedure. And so uh, that, that goes back to why I wanted to use the New King James, because if people understood the picture, then they could get there. They could get to the spiritual uh, aspect of it. In fact, the title that I did, Get Ready, Set, Hope, uh, I was trying to do a picture. Whenever you see that, even as a kid, you know, we, ready, set, go. You know, that's the way you would automatically see someone running. And that was the reason I tied in my beginning illustration about people who've gotten wiped out in this race and who have uh, stepped aside from the race. But anytime anyone would hear that, well, there's four points right there. Grace, the G and get. Grace, the ready stands for girding up the loins of your mind. And then the set is stability. Instead of being... uh kind of tipsy by the intoxication of the world. Be set. Be sober-minded. And then, of course, hope. Because what you're going to now step into is a hope that I love the way he says that, that's rushing to you. You know, help is on the way. And that was true back then when Peter wrote the original his original audience to encourage them. And it's true for us today that hope is is on the way. Thank you for breaking that down and giving a little more clarity to the intention behind what Peter was writing and what it means and how it applies to us. So thank you for that. And thank you all for listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.